This evening's reading is taken from 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning to read at verse 9. If you look in your church Bibles in front of you, it's on page 1197. 2 Timothy 4, beginning to read at verse 9. Do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, because he is helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. At my first defence, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the house of Onesiphorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth and I left Trophimus ill in Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. Eubulus greets you, and so do Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers and sisters. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. That's right, well done on those. And uh, uh, we, we prayed before, so I haven't forgotten to pray, but uh, uh, um, Nigel prayed for us. So uh, do keep it open. It's 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verses 9 to 22. And... I've given the title, Christian Ministry, What to Expect. At which point you may well have switched off, I guess. Because you could be thinking, well, that's obviously about uh, uh, vicars and people like that. Or, uh, uh, or you could be, th- so you could be thinking, well, I'm not a Christian minister, so, uh, um, uh, so therefore it's nothing to do with me. The trouble is, if you're a Christian, you're a minister. Okay? On the day you were converted, uh, you became a Christian minister. All Christians are ministers. So this is therefore something for all of us. Whether It doesn't matter if you're going off to uh, you know, become a vicar or something like that. That's fine on one hand. Um, but if you're at school and you're a Christian, you're a minister. If you're going off to uni, you're going to work tomorrow morning, you are a minister. We are all ministers. You're retired, you're in your 80s, whatever, you're still a Christian minister. If you're a Christian, you're a minister. Okay, now that's actually really important for this passage here because it means it's all relevant for us. Whoever we are, wherever we are, whatever our circumstances, if you're a Christian, you are a minister. Okay, now imagine it's Saturday afternoon and you're on your way to the Amex to watch Brighton play and 
Um, so there's a 28, is it about 28,000 capacity at the MX? So there are about 28,000 there, okay? And uh, so you've got 28,000 people in the stands around it, watching 22 players and the ref and the two linesmen and so on, uh, down on the pitch doing all the work. Now, that is what many churches are like. Okay, we may not be as big as that. There are not many churches in the world which are. Um, but it's the idea that you get lots of people spectating and just a few getting exhausted uh, and giving themselves uh, out on the pitch. And the Bible says, actually, we should all be on the pitch. We should all be on the pitch. We should all be down there. Not in the stands, spectating, but down there on the pitch. Every single one of us. Because we are all Christian ministers. Okay? That's how the Bible describes us. So, when we come to look here at 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verses 9 to 22, and finish off 2 Timothy, um, it does look like someone's Christmas card list, doesn't it, frankly? And uh, uh, just a jumbled up list of names. And we haven't got a clue who any of them are. Well, actually, that's not quite true. There are, there are some here we just don't know who they are. So, uh, um, verse 10, for instance, there's this character, Crescens, who's gone to Galatia. No idea who Crescens was. Um, no idea at all. Uh, but then there are others. So there's Titus there, for instance, isn't there? Um, Titus still Dalmatia in the end of verse 10 um, that Titus has got a book of the Bible named after him uh, 1 Timothy turn over the page Titus that's the same guy okay and uh, and Luke is mentioned here in verse 11 he wrote two books in the Bible and he's mentioned in the uh, book of Acts a fair bit and so on and we do know a fair bit about him um, and the uh, thing is what are we to learn though Some of these people we know about them. Some of them we haven't got a clue about them. But what are we supposed to learn here about Christian ministry? What are we supposed to learn here about the Christian life? Because the Christian life is about Christian ministry. Well, uh, I've put down three positive things and four negative things. Three gloriously positive things about Christian ministry. want to focus, spend a bit more time on those than the, uh, the four negative ones. So seven points we need to get going. And the first one is this. Christian ministry, positively, it's about people. People. Well, it's fairly obvious, isn't it? It's a list, it's, this is a list of people's names. Um, although, you know, some Christian ministers give the impression that Christian ministry is not about people at all. So they'll spend all week preparing. They'll prepare uh, madly for uh, five days of the week. They'll have a day off. And then they'll turn up on Sunday, appear in the pulpit, and then quickly scurry away to prepare another sermon, only to appear again next Sunday. That's not really Christian ministry. Because Christian ministry is actually about people. I was really impressed when uh, there's a guy called John Chapman, who was uh, an Aussie guy. And when I was working with, uh, or just before I began working with Cypher, the, uh, the overarching organization for this youth organization thing, Chapo came over from Australia to speak at a national conference. And uh, you know what he did when he was there? I think the best thing he did when he was there was he worked the lunch queue. So as an Aussie with a ridiculous sense of humour, he would walk up and down the lunch queue, talking to people, engaging with them and cracking loads of jokes. And just showing that he was interested in individuals and people and uh, in what they were up to. And, uh, okay, his preaching was really good as well, but he was also a people person. 
And he got involved with loads of youth leaders. In fact, he actually asked Anna and I if we wanted to go and stay with him at some point. We thought he was joking. But then we happened to be passing through Sydney. And someone said, oh, go and stay with Chapo. He'd love you to. So we did. Got lots of stories about that, if you want to know. But, uh, um, but he's a people person. Christian ministry is about people. Okay? Now, as we see here, you see a whole load of things here. Uh, so verse 9, for instance, do your best to come to me quickly. Uh, here's Paul, he's talking to Timothy, and uh, it's Paul's going to be dead soon. Maybe a few weeks, perhaps a few days, we don't know. Uh, but he wants to see Timothy. And, uh, and then, you know, if you add up all the people who Paul mentions in the stuff that he writes in the New Testament, and in what is written about him in the book of Acts, how many different people do you think there are? It's around about a hundred. That's quite a lot of people, isn't it? That's a bit more than the number of people we've got here. That's quite a lot of people. And those are just the people who get a mention. Christian ministry is about people. And it seems that some of them here are particular friends. And maybe fairly recent friends. So you look in verses 19 to 22. And uh, there are a whole list of people there. So, for instance, Eubulus, Pudens, Linus, and Claudia, uh, apparently three of those have got Latin names. I don't know which three they are. I'm no good at Latin. I gave it up 50 years ago in favor of German, and then I failed my German O-level, so I must have been really bad at Latin. So I haven't got a clue about uh, which ones. But actually, if three of them are Latin names... They probably lived in Rome, and he probably got to know them when he was in prison in Rome, because that was the only time he went there. He was developing friendships. It used to be said of uh, John Stott, who had a remarkable ministry in uh, between, between about, say, about 1950 and, and 2000, that kind of time. And uh, they used to say about John that he developed an, a ministry of worldwide influence through friendship through friendship, and because friends were very important to John. Single guy, but he had so many friends, uh, and the influence he had on them and through them was absolutely huge. So uh, uh, there are a whole range of things here. Um, You may be shy, you may be introverted, but always remember that Christian ministry in the end is about people. It's about talking to people. That's why we have coffee at the end of church. That's why we want to arrive early. That's why we started having coffee and tea and cakes and so on from six o'clock at our evening service, so we can spend time with people. That's why we encourage people to be part of small groups, because it means you meet with people and so on. So uh, uh, let's try and, why don't we try and meet one new person every week? Just find a new name. Pray for them every day. You'll remember their name. It's all about people in the end. So that's the first thing, people. Uh, We've got six more to go, so we've got to move on quickly. So second, about proclamation. Now, I hope you'd expect me to say that, because we're a church where we take the Bible very seriously and are preaching very seriously. Um, uh, If you have a look just before this, in verse 2 of chapter 4, he gives us this charge, preach the words. And you can see it here in verse 17, for instance, where it says, the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed. And that is, that is some mission statement, isn't it? The full proclamation of the gospel so that all uh, non-Jews, Gentiles, might hear it. 
And as he did so, there was violent opposition. But look at the end of verse 17. I was delivered from the lion's mouth. Now that could be some reference say, to Nero, or maybe he was talking about referring to Satan there. Whoever it was, whatever it was, he survived and he continued proclaiming the gospel until he was eventually executed. Which may have happened just a few weeks or maybe a few days after he'd finished this letter. But nothing would stop him. So look, if you're off to uni, or tomorrow you're starting a new job, or you're going back to to your job tomorrow morning and so on, or you're going back to uni and you've got a chance to to start over afresh and so on, and and put some markers down for this next year, then uh, actually thinking particularly of uni is probably the best opportunity of your life to get the gospel out, to talk about things with friends. There are people still remarkably open in universities. Take it. Take the opportunity. Don't muck it up. Tell them about Jesus. They need to hear the gospel. And for many, it is the time in their lives when they're most open. Proclamation of the gospel. So you'll be there. You'll be there on their corridor. You'll be there on their course. You'll be their neighbor. You'll be there when they're going through trouble, when they're really homesick or something. And you can be a good friend. And you can help. And you can be there for them. You can be a shoulder to cry on. And you can tell them about Jesus on the basis of your friendship. Don't wait until week two to let them know you're Christians. Get in there straight away. Your first day of the new job. That's the day when you need to pray, Lord, please give me the opportunity to tell someone here I'm a Christian. New school, day one. Please, Lord, help me to tell someone that I'm a Christian. Early on, the longer you leave it, the harder it gets. So this proclamation of Jesus, it is Christian ministry. It's what we do. And uh, and under this, can I just say, just a word about study and reading. Now look at the end of verse 13. Uh, uh, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpas at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Now, maybe that's the scriptures or his notes or commentaries. We don't really know. But Paul intends to study until his dying day. Do it. Are you reading? Are you reading Christian books? I mean, what what Christian book are you reading at the moment? I ought to be able to ask anyone that, and we might have something that is there which we're reading. Um, uh, As Christians, we want to have a Christian book on on the go. Um, I was uh, just reviewing this morning this book at the back called Crazy Love, and it's ten quid. It's on the bookstall. Hopefully, we've got a few copies left. And uh, uh, Crazy Love is by a guy called Francis Chan who looks as if he, he uh, well, I think he must be Chinese from the name, isn't he? Uh, he looks a bit like a gangster, but actually when you hear him speak, he's very gentle. And, uh, um, uh, and it is a book which may shock you, it may offend you, you might find it difficult, you might find it challenging, but equally at the same time, I think it's a book for us all. I won't recommend everything that Francis Chan has written, some of his stuff I fundamentally disagree with, but Crazy Love is a great book, and he's basically saying, Christians, we need to get our act together. The Christian church needs to get its act together. I really recommend it. It's on the bookstall, 10 quid on the bookstall uh, at the back there. And uh, uh, so we need to be people who are people of proclamation. And uh, just a word there, that we keep on reading, we keep on studying, we keep on growing. So let's do that. Third, uh, people, proclamation, and third, perspective. Perspective. Uh, by which I mean this. 
Uh, Paul felt pretty bereft when people were leaving, and he was concerned about this uh, cold winter ahead. So he, um, uh, so he asked, you see in verse, verse, about the cloak, for instance, there. Actually, have a look at verse 13 again. Just glance your eyes over that. And now listen to this. It was written 1,500 uh, years later. Okay? So look at verse 13 there. When you come, bring the cloak that I left in Carpus, uh, with Carpus at Traus, and my scrolls, especially the parchments. And then in 1535, a guy called William Tyndale, who was a Bible translator, was imprisoned in Belgium. And before being burnt at the stake, he wrote this letter. And he wrote this letter to the governor of the castle. He said, uh, I entreat your lordship, and that by the Lord Jesus, I'm sorry about the Elizabethan language, that if I must remain here for the winter, you would beg the commissary to be so kind as to send me from the things of mine which he has a warmer cap. I feel the cold painfully in my head. Also, a warmer cloak, for the cloak I have is very thin. He has a woolen shirt of mine, if he will send it, but most of all, my Hebrew Bible grammar and vocabulary, that I may spend my time in that pursuit. It's very similar, isn't it, to verse 13, and this idea of keeping on going. Now, um, it just seems almost an uncanny parallel there, isn't there? But um, what keeps us going? What keeps us going as Christians? What keeps us going as Christians when we're at uni, and actually everyone else in our course is against us, it seems? What keeps us going at work uh, and at school and so on? Well, verse 18 will. Because verse 18 gives us perspective. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and, looking forward, will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. That's perspective. Because he's looking ahead here with trust and confidence. He looks ahead in time, beginning of verse 18. He looks ahead to eternity at the end of verse 18. And he recognizes uh, that it won't be him who gets him to heaven. So the end of verse 18, where he says, to him be the glory forever and ever. It is the Lord Jesus who will get him there, and who must have the glory. So when we are involved, as we must be every day in Christian ministry, let's keep the perspective. Heaven is on the horizon, so we're going to keep on going. Keep on going with people, keep on going with our reading and our study and our growing, keep on going with our proclamation. And we need to remember that heaven's on the horizon. And that is the glorious destination for all genuine Christian people. And it will keep us going to that very day when we meet with Jesus. Well, there also we need to remember there are some more negative things. So we've got the joys of working with people. We've got the privilege of uh, proclamation. We need to keep this perspective because of the great future that lies ahead. But also we need to remember that we've got to expect four other things. First of all, just expect some disappointment. Disappointment. And uh, um, it's not all easy. It's not all roses. I have to remember that roses have thorns as well, don't they? There will be some disappointments with people. And you can just feel the disappointment in verse 10. Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me, has gone to Thessalonica. And it could well be that he's still involved in some kind of Christian ministry. There's nothing here to suggest that he's packed that up. So he may be being a nuisance in the church of Thessalonica. We don't know. But the problem was he loved this world. We don't know exactly how he loved this world, but it was hugely disappointing for Paul. 
What was so attractive to Demas in this world that he deserted gospel ministry? Was it money? Accumulating possessions? Was it a woman? Was it fame and acceptance? We've got no idea. But there's a sad warning for us that remains. Do we too love this world too much? That we will leave what we're here for and focus our lives on the wrong stuff. Well, there are a number of other ways that Christians let Paul down and uh, would even would have been a great disappointment to him. So you look at verse 16. At my first defense, that's probably when he first got arrested, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. Just left on his own. Probably some kind of magistrate's pre-trial kind of thing. Um, but even there he was left on his own. As the Christians seemed to kind of dissolve, clear off. Or there's the uh, illness, look at verse 20 of uh, Trophimus, or however we pronounce his name. I left Trophimus ill at Miletus. That's just down the road from Ephesus. And uh, uh, Trophimus is called in Acts 21, the Ephesian. So Paul left him at Miletus, his mates from Ephesus could have come and fetched him and taken him home and so on. But it's still a disappointment for Paul, not Trophimus' fault, he got ill. But those things happen. So in Christian ministry, expect disappointment. Not everyone will become Christians. Not everyone's going to be reliable. Not everyone's going to be fit and healthy. Sometimes people will be laid aside because of illness and struggles of that sort. Um, some people will drift off. Um, but there will also be fruit. So we will not be disheartened. There will be fruit. So we keep going. There's also damage, disappointment, but there's also damage, as we see here. Um, some will damage others' Christian ministry, like Alexander, the metal worker, in verse 14. Uh, Paul says, did me a great deal of harm. Uh, there's no need for retribution. Paul's going to leave that to God at the end of verse 14. But in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9, he says, uh, Alexander shipwrecked his faith. It could actually be Alexander was the guy who got Paul arrested. Because uh, the word did here uh, in verse 14 um, uh, is literally point out. It's the same word that's used of Judas in the Garden of Gethsemane, pointing out Jesus to those who come to arrest him. It may have been that Alexander did that to Paul. And which is also why uh, he says here um, that uh, Timothy, when he comes, needs to uh, be quite careful about him uh, because it could well be that it was actually in Troas where it happened. So verse 15 here, you too should be in your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. You know, when you go through Troas on your way up to Rome, which you most likely had to do, keep your head down because you could get arrested too. And I want to see you here as a free man, not as someone who's coming in chains. I suspect it's something like that is going on. See, Christian ministry is always opposed. Sometimes the opposition results in damage. It happened here. But don't worry. We've been told about it ahead of time. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. No need to worry. Actually, ultimately, there's no need to worry about anything. Ever. Because Jesus is Lord. 
You know, the university authorities may stop you using their property for CU meetings. Don't worry. Jesus is Lord. And in the end, the gospel is unstoppable. When I was a student, I was on the uh, uh, CU committee uh, that actually invited Billy Graham to come and speak at, um, at the university uh, in 1980, all those years ago, for the Christian Union mission. And there was a group at the university called SAMI, students uh, which was formed because they didn't like the idea of Billy coming to university. So they, they, they formed Students Against Mass Indoctrination, SAMI. And there were big protests and demonstrations, placards, that sort of stuff, picketing the building where Billy was speaking. And, uh, and in the end, there were record numbers coming to the meetings. And there were large numbers of Christian people, became people becoming Christians during that mission in 1980. The devil will always overreach himself. And in the end, the gospel is unstoppable. But they will try and damage. Nothing to worry about, though. So damage. Uh, third here, uh, we see negatively, just expect disagreements. Uh, probably disagreement with Alexander as well here in verse 15. But you can see this all the way through to Timothy. Minor debates and quarrels in uh, chapter 2, towards the end of it, um, uh, through to people we should avoid, because they're not Christians. And in 2 Timothy 3 and 1 verses 1 to 9, they're taking people to hell with them. Christian ministry does bring disagreements. Uh, But when we do, as we will from time to time, let's disagree well, gently, politely. We won't be strident. We do want to be clear. We want to stand firm on our convictions. Of course we do. Um, But we need to uh, read and learn and be clear on the gospel We need to be clear on our theology, why Jesus died and so on. We need to be clear if you're going off to uni, for instance. I was just reminded this week of way back um, at, uh, well, in Cambridge University, way back in the past when uh, there was a great pressure on them to join together with people who did the Christian Union there, who didn't agree uh, with the University Christian Union about penal substitution, that Jesus was punished in our place when he died on the cross. And there was a lot of pressure to, for the Christian Union to join up with people who didn't agree with that. And in the end, it was a big turning point, because in the end, they decided, and the university CU president said, no, actually, we're not going to join with you, because we don't believe the same stuff. And we don't believe the same that you do, because we believe that Jesus died for our sins in our place and was punished for us. And you don't believe that. And we cannot work with you. And we will not work with you. They went their own ways. Well done. That was very good. For the sake of the gospel, they stood firm. So there will be disagreements, and sometimes we need to be firm. So let's be clear about those things. Um, But we want to uh, be clear in our own minds. You want to do some reading about those things, about what the cross is really about before you go off to uni, I can certainly recommend some good books to you. So disagreement, there will be some. And also, uh, expect desertion, which is really painful, isn't it? Um, People leaving is always painful. People leave here, for instance, uh, it's it's really painful for you know, but especially um, if, if folks leave for another church, which is uh, um, perhaps not re- preaching the gospel or uh, for whatever reason, um, or maybe people who leave because they think that we believe something that we don't. But when we do explain it, and they still think, well, we'd better leave anyway, and that is painful. But for Paul, he talks about people deserting him. 
verse 10, Demas. Um, uh, it's interesting. You look at verse, verse 10 there. Demas has deserted me. It's the same word that's used in the Greek translation of Psalm 22, verse 1, which is what Jesus quoted on the cross. My God, my God, why have you deserted me? And that's what Demas did to Paul. Pretty hard, isn't it? And in verse 16, everyone deserted me. Uh, But there's also hope. Mark deserted Paul in Acts chapter 13 and verse 13. Um, It's called John there, but uh, left Paul. uh, And we think that is John Mark, the Mark that's referred to here. Uh, There was a bust up with Barnabas he had in Mark, uh, together with Barnabas against Paul in in, uh, Acts chapter 15. And yet, look at verse 11, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Mark had deserted Paul in the past. And now he's back. I think that's really encouraging. That's restoration. That's okay. That's good. That's encouraging. And uh, uh, so Christian ministry, and as we head into this new term, this new university, this new phase of life, uh, what do we expect? Well, if I were you, and I certainly expect it in the ministry here, Positively, it's about people. It's about proclamation. It's about perspective. The fact there is a glorious future where we are heading, which gives us purpose and direction. But also on the road along there, we should really expect disappointment, damage, disagreement, desertion. Because from time to time, those things happen as well. But it's okay Because Jesus is Lord, and the gospel truth wins out in the end. Let's pray. Father, please help us to keep going with Christian ministry. We know sometimes it's difficult. We know sometimes people disappoint and damage, and there'll be disagreements, and uh, people go their own ways, and so on. And that can be really disappointing sometimes. Um, and it will affect us all at some point. But we pray, Lord, you'd help us to keep on plugging on, whether it's here or at uni or at school or at work or wherever we are. Please, Lord, keep us plodding on with the gospel. Help us to keep on people, being people, people, praying for people. Help us to keep on with our proclamation. Help us to keep things in perspective, knowing, Lord, that actually the big deal is we want to get people to heaven and we want people growing in their faith. We want to make disciples of Christ in Brighton, Hove, and for the world. And we pray you'd help us to do just that for your glory. Amen.